Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Took a little longer than I would have hoped, but this is part three of show number 60 of the Anime World Order podcast, which is somehow taken up the entire month of October because we've been talking about Osamu Tezuka things, then hey, we can't shut up. In part three of show number 60, we're going to finally get to Clarissa's review of Blackjack. To hear parts one as well as part two, go to our website, www.animeworldorder.com. You can also download all the previous episodes of our podcast to date there. You can send us email, animeworldordergmail.com. Voicemail 206-666-4296. Why this episode is late, I guess the uh, brief answer would be video games. Phoenix Wright 3 is out. I've got it right here in front of me, but I can't be playing it yet because I've got podcasts to edit. Also, Castlevania Dracula X for PSP. Due to fan requests, I have gotten myself an Xbox Live Gold account. So if you want to play cooperative with me in, like, Marvel Ultimate Alliance or whatever, I should have Gears of War and Halo 3 and stuff by the end of this week. I know I said that last week, but the guy was slow to mail it out. You can go to the website to get my gamer tag. It's just Daryl Surratt. And in the event that, you know, all two of you who own a PlayStation 3 want to add me to your friends list there, Anime World Order is the ID name I've got on that. Not that I have any games for the PS3, it's basically just a glorified Blu-ray player at the moment. Also, Otaku USA Issue 3 is out, please go buy it, because I'm betting that nobody is buying it, on account that one, it's a print magazine, and two, they let me write for it. Of particular interest to fans of this podcast would have to be my feature article reviewing Frederick L. Schott's new book, The Astro Boy Essays, Osamu Tezuka, Mighty Adam, and the Manga Anime Revolution. So if you like what you listen to in show number 60, check out my review in Otaku USA issue 3, Support Endeavors, where I'm allowed to speak about Larry Sweeney as well as Hino. In a print magazine, the website www.otakuusamagazine.com. Anyway, I've blathered on long enough, so without further ado, here we go with Clarissa's review of Blackjack. All right, well, seeing as how Daryl undertook the terrifying task of talking about every single version of Astro Boy, at least uh, yeah, that one episode well. of each, yeah, I'm going to undertake something almost as terrifying, but luckily I'm a little less uh, insane than Daryl, and so I decided to spare myself. I'm going to be talking about another uh, long-running, hugely popular series of Tezuka's, which is Blackjack. But instead of talking about every single version, which is a large and horrible prospect, and also kind of difficult because large amounts of the original manga have never been made available in English, so it's kind of hard to do what Daryl did and look at the original manga and then compare all these different versions to it. So what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be talking specifically about a series of 10 OAVs from the early 90s that were done by Osamu Dezaki and Akio Sugino, Woo! a team that we've talked about a fair bit on this podcast. Dezaki is probably one of the biggest anime directors in the history of the form. Um, he's directed shows like Rose of Versailles, Ace Onerai, Ashtono Joe, and yeah, Ashtono Joe. He did They Were Eleven, or no, actually, I think he didn't. It's unclear who did that. Yeah, I've heard both stories. I've heard that it was Osamu Dezaki, and I've heard that it was a different Dezaki. You know what else is unclear? Who truly did Mad Bull, but I want to believe that it was him. (laughs) I do, too. Apparently, what is not unclear is that he did Golgo 13. Right. That is, Space Adventure Cobra. (laughs) Yes. Oh, boy. Several things that we've talked about on this podcast, um, some of some things we haven't gotten around to yet, but we may talk about someday. The king of duality. Yes. yes very. Him. Um, he also directed uh, Hakuge, which Gerald talked about. Yeah, I need to talk um, about again yeah. since I'm finishing it up. So, very, He's a very, dream team. 
Yeah, very Sugito. famous director. And Akio Sugino is a, a character designer that's worked with Dezaki on a lot of different shows. So, you know, they, they work together a good amount. And if you've seen some of these shows that Dezaki has directed, you've probably seen Sugino's character designs. This, by the way, as uh, we've mentioned, is the version of Blackjack that is available on iTunes right now, which is part of the reason that I'm talking about this version as opposed to the other animated adaptations, which are not available officially in English yet. This is going to make the segment horribly long, but because not very much of the Blackjack manga has been available in English, and like Astro Boy... Blackjack is another character that is really well-known and loved in Japan, but has just never been hugely popular in America. I want to talk a little bit about who Blackjack is and what the series is, because like a lot of OAV series, this series assumes that you know who everyone is. Nowhere in this series do they ever explain about Blackjack's backstory. They don't really explain who uh, another major character, Pinocchio, is. And it's possible to watch this series without knowing these things. Each episode is its own self-contained story, and they generally don't involve a lot of knowledge specifically about this backstory stuff. But I think you get more out of it. And there are some things that'll be a little less confusing if you know some of the basic information. Very much like Golgo 13. Also <laughs> loop on the third. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it just really hits the ground running yeah. straight away. Some of the newer adaptations, um, if you have seen, uh, there are fan subs available for the new animated television shows, and those do go into more of the backstory for Blackjack. So if you're interested, you can watch those and you'll get to know some of this stuff. For people who already know about Blackjack, sorry, this intro part is probably going to be kind of boring. Maybe we'll put time codes for this segment in the episode or something so you can skip past it. But basically, as Daryl mentioned earlier, Osamu Tezuka was originally a doctor. So he had a, a good bit of, of medical knowledge, and he had experience as a doctor. And so one of the series that he did was Blackjack, which is about a doctor. And Tezuka really took a lot of his knowledge and experiences, and I th think probably some of his hopes and aspirations that, you know, he had for being a doctor about, you know, curing the sick. Especially about tuberculosis. Good things. <laughs> But that's for I mean, a different show. <laughs> yes. And so this is all put into Blackjack, but it's not really a completely realistic show. I mean, Tezuka, even though he knows a lot about medicine because of his experiences and his medical training, he doesn't really worry about portraying everything with complete accuracy. He really tends to go more for drama and um, these very sort of exciting, action-packed stories. And Blackjack is almost sort of magical in what he can do. It's very much like for everybody who's ever played those games Trauma Center under the knife for the yeah. DS and the Wii and how the diseases are really weird. <laughs> it's a lot like that. In fact, that game may as well be Blackjack the Game. Yeah, yeah, it really probably should have been. But yes, and also, one of the reasons I'm kind of surprised that Blackjack isn't more popular is that everybody really likes the series House, which is about this guy who is injured, he's, he's kind of crippled, He's sort of a sarcastic, standoffish jerk, and people don't really understand him, but he's an absolute brilliant doctor, and he can cure these people that nobody else can cure. Well, Blackjack is sort of like House if you then combine House with Batman. I'll let that sink in. Um, what about if you also combine them with Saiz and Jotaro? Because Blackjack has a lot <laughs> of money. I don't know, maybe a little bit, but, but Batman's rich too. So I guess that kind of works anyway. But the, th the reason that I compare Blackjack to Batman is that Batman is a, a vigilante and Blackjack is kind of a controversial figure because he's not a licensed doctor. Basically, Blackjack's real name is Hazumakuro. And when he was a young child, he and his mother were horribly injured when a bomb exploded near them. It was a, a leftover undetonated bomb from the war and they stumbled upon it and it triggered 
And Blackjack's mother was horribly maimed and died not long afterwards. Kudo was also very, very horribly injured, but a brilliant doctor named Dr. Hanma Jotaro was able, through his miraculous medical skills, to perform a lot of complicated transplants and skin grafts and was able to piece the boy back together. And the boy went through rehabilitation and regained full functionality. And Kuro grew up admiring what Dr. Hanma was able to do for him, and so he eventually decided to become a doctor himself. Blackjack is very distinctive looking, as you can imagine from being so heavily injured when he was a child. He has a lot of visible scars from where some of these transplants and skin grafts were done. Some of the patches of his skin are noticeably different colors from other areas, especially a large um, portion of his face. The skin is a different color. He looks almost like a Frankenstein's monster stitched together from different yes. parts. Emo yeah, Frankenstein, the, scars, the hair. Like yeah, Beck the, the dog and Beck. <laughs> yeah, he has those very visible sort of cross-hatch scars. And, and yeah, he has this shock of white hair. So he's a, a very obvious, somewhat strange, intimidating figure. He tends to dress in a lot of black also. He wears this very Victorian sort of outfit. So, uh, yeah, he's he tends to be a little strange looking. And during he, um, his study of medicine, this incident happened where it involved him performing surgery that he was not supposed to do on someone, that he wanted to save this person. But the medical establishment basically said, you can't perform this surgery. And Blackjack refused to listen, and he performed it anyway. And he did save the patient, but he was not allowed to obtain his medical license, if I remember correctly. A lot of um, this backstory stuff, I'm sort of working off of like written summaries of some of the manga issues. So sometimes it's a little tricky, and I apologize if I get anything wrong. It can't be helped because much of this has just never been released in English in any form. Right, right. And I actually haven't really made my way through the entirety of the the newer animated versions, um, so I'm not really sure how much of this stuff is covered in there. I know some of it is, but... So Blackjack continues to practice medicine without a license. He basically figures that He'd rather not be tied to the limitations of the medical establishment, because if he were licensed and operated officially, there are limitations on where he could practice medicine, on who he could treat, what sort of things he could do. And he's such an amazing genius surgeon, basically he's the best surgeon on the face of the planet, that he figures he can save more people by being unlicensed and just doing whatever the fuck he wants than he could if he actually went through all the official channels. He can also um, charge much more money for his services. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of the other reasons, besides operating without a medical license, that Blackjack is sort of controversial and that a lot of people don't like him, is that he tends to charge ridiculous amounts of money for a lot of his medical procedures. And a lot of people perceive him as being a very bad, mercenary sort of person for this. And to a certain degree, he is. But he also does things like sometimes he'll forgive the fees for people who are particularly needy or who are particularly good people. But it's also like not anybody else on planet Earth can can do these procedures, so I guess right. charging that is, is not... It's like, well, if you, you either pay this or you're dead. Right. And that's why people do pay it, because a lot of the times they just have no choice, you know, if they want to live or if they want their family member to live. I wonder if the um, health insurance would cover that. <laughs> no, I don't think so, because he's not licensed. So, <laughs> But yeah, he's not really a complete bastard, but he, he does operate in sort of this shady area. In fact, um, the police are always trying to arrest him. It's kind of surprising that they don't, because everyone sort of knows about Blackjack, and he's so obvious because he's so distinctive looking. But I guess maybe like none of the people that he helps are ever willing to testify against him because they're too grateful. And they like him too much. I don't know how nobody ever has, like, video footage, but I guess if Blackjack got arrested, that would kind of ruin things. Sometimes he gets arrested and they end up having to let him go because they end up needing him to do certain things. So he's sort of this vigilante medical figure. He just does these amazing things that nobody else can do. I mean, there's a really great issue of the original manga. I don't remember if this was ever animated, 
but where Blackjack is working in Australia and he contracts this illness that's going around and he ends up operating on himself in the middle of the Australian outback while surrounded by wild dingoes. I mean, this is the kind of amazing stuff that we're talking about. And it's yeah. not the only time he has to perform surgery on himself either. No, no, it happens quite frequently. <laughs> he does this all the time. It's, it's That's not... where Dr. Giggles got the idea from. <laughs> Remember that movie? Yeah. <laughs> and it's not even that he can just do humans either. Uh, he can pretty yeah, much yeah, do yeah, anything. He's... Yeah, he, he operates on animals. Like, there are stories where he saves uh, endangered species and things like that. There's one I always joke about is Blackjack the Whale Whisperer, because he saves this whale, and then the whale becomes his friend. It's really crazy. Yeah, so Blackjack is just superhuman and kind of a jerk sometimes, but really deep down, he's a good guy. Now, the other major character in Blackjack, because... As I mentioned, the OAVs are all sort of standalone stories, and all of Blackjack kind of operates that way. He basically travels around from place to place and solves these different medical problems for different people. So there aren't a huge number of recurring characters, and the characters that do tend to show up more than once, they're not necessarily in a lot of issues, even of the original manga. Which is kind of unfortunate, because sometimes you have side characters that you really like, and then you'll barely ever see them. But there is one other character who is in a pretty large portion of the manga and some of the animated versions, Pinoco. And Pinoco is probably one of the strangest things for people who aren't familiar with the overall Blackjack story. For something like this OAV series that doesn't explain these things... It's probably one of the areas that'll be the most confusing, because she's this little girl that lives with Blackjack and always hangs around with him, and she looks like maybe five or six, but she always refers to herself as being 18 years old, and she refers to herself as Blackjack's wife or his fiance, and she always gets jealous of him. The Lolicon's dream. Anytime he shows interest in this other woman. So you wonder, like, why is this little girl there and what's going on? Like, she's not actually his daughter, it doesn't seem like, or anything. <laughs> there actually is reasons for this. Like I so said, they don't explain any of this in the OEV, so I'll talk about it. And Pinocchio's another aspect of Blackjack that is definitely very, very strange and almost supernatural. Tessa created a monster. He didn't understand what he was getting into when he created Pinocchio. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think he, he meant the implications. The implications that result from this. Yeah. Luckily, Blackjack is not a pedo, so it doesn't actually go anywhere it, it shouldn't be going. So, in one of the stories, Blackjack operates on a woman who has this tumor. She's been trying to get it removed from several different doctors, and she hasn't had any luck. The tumor exhibits strange behavior, and it almost actually seems like it's got a mind of its own. So, out of desperation, of course, she calls up Blackjack because, well, who else at this point is going to help her? And since Blackjack can basically work magic, she figures she'll give it a shot. And Blackjack discovers that the tumor is a what's called a teratogenous cystoma, or a teratoma, and basically... It turns out that the tumor is actually a rare type of Siamese twin. It was this woman's sister who had been absorbed into this woman's body, sort of Venture Brothers style. Dark half by Stephen <laughs> King. Yeah. The twin had retained some amount of consciousness, and it had been inside her for 18 years. And Blackjack was finally able to extract the tumor and because it had a consciousness and it was a person, again, with the kind of completely unrealistic medical bullshit, he takes this twin and he puts it in basically a doll's body to give it its own independent form. But the sister who had the operation completely rejects Pinocchio. Who Which is this? the name that he gives to it. Yeah, he, it's like he a names dog, the girl Pinocchio. Pinocchio. Right, like Pinocchio. The sister who had the operation completely rejects Pinocchio and refuses to take care of her. Blackjack feels bad for this little girl, and he takes her in. So Pinocchio lives with Blackjack. She does household chores, and she assists him on his jobs. 
She'll get his uh, supplies for him and such, and she'll even assist him in the operating room. Which is rare, because Blackjack is known for working alone, even in the operating yeah. theater. And most surgeons require a great deal of assistance, but Blackjack is so great that he flies solo, except right. if he's got Pinocchio, Pinocchio. there. It's, and yeah, it's really and so weird seeing this little of, girl just assisting with these horrific-looking operations. Yeah, and, like, he's got people cut open on the table, and there's this little, you know, like, five-year-old-looking girl, like, scrambling around the room, grabbing scalpels and gauze. It, it's kind she's of She's basically the Robin to his Batman. <laughs> yeah, she is, really. And so, when she says that she's 18 years old, in a sense, that's correct, and not at the same time, because... Technically, she was alive for 18 years within her sister's body, but for most of that time, she was within the body of another person. She didn't have her own autonomous life. So, yeah, she could technically be considered to be 18 years old, and she's very smart and very capable, more so than you would expect for a girl her physical age. But at the same time, she doesn't have real life experience equivalent to that number of years. So in a lot of ways, she's also very immature and behaves as you would expect a little girl like this to act. So she's kind of a strange character. And sometimes she gets shortchanged in some of the adaptations. I think in some ways she gets shortchanged a little bit in the OAVs. It, it depends on the episode. Some episodes she's in more than others. A lot of times she's kind of just the sort of Miss Moneypenny sort of character. Like before yeah. Blackjack goes off on his secret mission, he's going <laughs> to have some scene of doing some goofiness. Yeah. But they treated her in an interesting way in the OAVs, I thought. When she was like just acting, she would totally be that five-year-old girl, but then she would have these internal monologues where she was much more mature. Right. And some of the animated things, like I think the OAV comes the closest to this, but... The thing about Pinocchio is that even though she's this very cute character, and a lot of times she is comic relief, I mean, she gets very, very insanely jealous of Blackjack when women express interest in him, and Just to like, say, she all always women threatens, like, you better not cheat on me, and she is very much in love with Blackjack romantically, but he tends to view her basically as a daughter and treat her like a daughter. I mean, Blackjack loves Pinocchio very, very much. Anytime Pinocchio is in trouble, Blackjack will basically do anything to make sure she's okay. But it's very much a, a familial kind of love, and unfortunately, Pinocchio is more infatuated with him. And so she she's very funny and cutesy, but at the same time, there's sort of this dark, sad side to her character, because she is sort of trapped between being a child and being an adult. And she'll probably never grow up, because she's in a fake body, and I believe that the biological parts of her, I don't know if they're strong enough to support basically an adult form. So I don't know if she'll ever really be able to grow up. There's a certain amount of sadness that comes with that. And so like you mentioned, that there are these internal monologues that are very serious. Yeah. So sometimes they don't really show some of the darker, sadder elements, and they really just use her for comic relief. But sometimes they, they do sort of deal with that. I don't think the OAVs really tend to get into that extensively. There is one episode that probably comes the closest, but still, it's definitely there. And so if you're watching the OAVs, maybe that explains a little bit better about why Blackjack has this strange little girl hanging around with him and, you know, why she says all these crazy things. She's also somewhat of a carryover from Tezuka's general standard style of yeah. writing stories because the character of Blackjack and around the time he originated you can see from the more serious, more harder-edged, darker side to his character that he is somewhat of a, a Gekiga-style hero compared to the previous Tezuka protagonist. He was, he was actually I'm, writing Blackjack right at, around the time he did Ode to Kirihito. Right, so. and yeah. so that's yeah, another Blackjack thing. Yeah, Blackjack premiered in, um, I believe, Shonen Champion in 73. And so, yes, yeah. because of when we were talking about Ode to Kirihito and we said Tezuka sort of started writing things by adapting certain elements of that Gekiga movement. And the character of Blackjack is a little more along those lines as far as being a gray morality and not, like, totally over the edge, but as far as yeah, subject it's, matter. It's not Gekiga yeah. in the way that Otakirihito is. I mean, it definitely is yeah. a shonen manga, and there's a lot of comedic relief, and there's a lot of sort of moral lessons in Blackjack. 
But yeah, it's definitely more serious than some of Tezuka's things like, say, Astro Boy. Particularly in these OAVs. Yes. With the style of Dezaki. That's actually something I was going to talk about. I really like these OAVs, but I know that there are some people who are big Tezuka fans who are not fond of these OAVs. I think these are really good, but they're not the most faithful adaptation. They're not completely out there. I mean, they don't do a whole lot of random crazy stuff or anything, but there are definitely some hardcore Blackjack and Tezuka fans that have some issues with it because it's very much a Dezaki series. Dezaki and Sugino definitely put their stamp on it. I mean... In terms of Sugino's character designs, they're still recognizable, a lot of them as Tezuka characters. I mean, if you look, you do see some of Tezuka's standbys. Acetylene Lamp does make an appearance. He's not named that in this, but that character design does show up, and he's still very recognizable as himself. Um, Hameg's also in there. Yeah, Hameg. You do get some of these standard Tezuka characters that he reused. I don't know if we actually talked about this so far in this episode, but Tezuka used this thing called the Star System, where he basically treated his characters as if they were a troupe of actors. And so he would reuse the same characters over and over again in different series. And they might have the same name or they might have different names. They might have the same personality. They might have completely different personalities. But you would see these same characters over and over again. Very much inspiration from the Takarazuka review that he was, yes. yeah. uh, grew up in that town. was known for the very theatrical, musical kind of stuff where they used a similar system. But much like how when we talked about Pluto several shows back, that was by Naoki Urasawa. That was his take on a famous Astro Boy story. Obviously, the artwork in that is very, very, very close to Monster and 20th Century Boys and the like. Yes. But you can still tell it's Tezuka's Yeah, this is not as extreme a deviation as Urasawa's art in Pluto is. There are a lot of characters that are definitely recognizable as Tezuka designs, but there are a lot of incidental characters and a lot of characters that were created for these OAVs that are definitely recognizable for Sugino, especially a lot of the female characters are very, very recognizable as being Sugino's character designs. And Dezaki really contributes a lot to the overall feel of these OAVs. I mean, Blackjack is a fairly dark series, but it is a shonen series, and Tezuka definitely did include a lot of humor in his stories, whereas these OAVs are even more serious and dark than some of of the original manga. That's part of why some people criticize it. I think the big complaint that I've heard with people who are not the biggest fans of these OAVs, and it's a pretty valid complaint, is that these OAVs are a little too James Bondish. There's kind of a lot of needless female characters and tits inserted, and a lot of these female (laughs) characters. Almost all the episodes involve some beautiful woman in distress that has to be helped by Blackjack. Most of the time, she ends up throwing herself all over him. And don't get me wrong, I understand. I mean, it is Blackjack, and... And who wouldn't go for such a horribly scarred man? Well, this is anime, remember? (laughs) Yes. In in real-life, horrible scarring tends to make people look kind of strange and, you know, not very Black Lagoon has taught us, the horrible scarring means nothing. Yes, in in anime, Harlock or, you know, whatever, in anime, somehow, horrible scarring only serves to make people that much more attractive, and Blackjack is no exception, even though, you know, theoretically, he should look like a mess. He really looks pretty good, and he's got that sort of, you know, lone wolf, dark, mysterious, dashing air about him. So, I can't exactly blame these women, but at the same time, it's not something that you tended to see a lot in the original manga, as far as I understand. And the same can be said for the movie, by the way. Pretty much all the things that apply to the OAVs also apply to that first Yes. Movie. Yeah. yeah, this that movie we're talking about was also made in the 90s. It, it basically goes with this OAV series. The reason I mention that is because there was another Blackjack movie that came out recently 
That's not the one we're talking about. It's almost like Golgo Blackjack when you think about it. Yeah. A lot of times it is, like you said, very <laughs> James Bondish espionage going yeah. out, stopping the guerrilla terrorists right. or whatever. I mean, the big difference is that at least they don't diverge so far from the manga that Blackjack's constantly screwing all these women in true Blackjack <laughs> fashion. At the end of the episode, he basically quietly takes his leave and disappears back into the shadows. But some um, do throw themselves. Mm. Some but of them yeah. do throw themselves yeah. at him very, yeah. very much and so. It's not an unfounded complaint, and it's true that a lot of it is really kind of pointless. I don't know that it really adds anything to the show other than titillation. So and what's I, wrong I with under, that? I understand where those people are coming from, but at the same time, I don't think that it's something that's so obnoxious or so bad that it makes the the whole OAV series bad. I've heard one other criticism about it, but this is kind of inherent to the style of storytelling. And it's not necessarily an um, adaptation issue, but it might just be an, a general way of things. One thing I have heard about a lot of the OAVs, as well as this uh, first movie, is a lot of times the resolution to these stories is often very abrupt, yeah. often out of nowhere, and it just ties up everything very nicely, almost deus ex machina-like. Mm. But for people who are fans of House, they obviously don't mind this. <laughs> yeah. But it is something to consider. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And in some episodes, it's more noticeable than others. The movie is a very, very yes. <laughs> big offender yeah, in this some, regard. Yeah, some things are very, very guilty of this. You almost get um, the idea of, like, they're wondering, oh, man, how are we going yeah. to resolve the... Uh, Aha! Crap. We yeah. wrote ourselves, did it. <laughs> yeah, we wrote ourselves into a corner. What are we going to do now? Uh, all right, fine, this happens, and everything works out. But again, similar to the other complaint, it's not something that I think is so bad that it makes the, the OAV series as a whole bad, or that it makes it not worth watching. I think it's still very much worth watching. So basically, this OAV series is 10 episodes long, and each one is its own self-contained story, and they follow Blackjack and Pinocchio. Yeah, you definitely have that signature Dazaki style. Lots of the postcard memories moments where it goes to oh, the still pastel colored scene. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. Dazaki is really happy with the postcard memories in this one. Also, it's worth mentioning in that these are actually OAVs in the most traditional sense in that they aren't a set length. They are actually whatever length it takes to tell the story. Well, I thought most of them were around 50-something minutes. Around that, but they kind of varied. Yeah. So, They're not very extremely much in length, but I think they tend to be around somewhere in the 50-something minute mark. So they're fairly long, and altogether it's, it's a decent amount of footage that you get out of 10 episodes, and then when you add in the movie also. So, I mean, it would have been nice if some of the backstory stuff was gone into. There are definitely some stories that I wish had been included. Another weird thing about the OAVs, and, and maybe another reason why some of the Tezuka purists aren't as big a fan of it, is that there are a bunch of stories in this OAV series that are not in the original manga. Either that, or a lot of the stories took a couple of elements from different manga stories and then used them to write a different story, which is kind of weird. I'm not entirely sure why they decided to go that route in this one. And sometimes it's kind of frustrating because... Personally, the first episode of the OAVs is one of my least favorites, if not my least favorite. I actually really wish that the first episode was not the first episode, because I think it's not the best beginning. I can agree it. with that. So if I were going to say, I might recommend skipping the first episode at first, if you're going to check this out and you're not sure whether you're going to like it, or at the very least watch the first episode and then stick around for another episode or two. Because I know the first I've, episode is very soap opera-ish. And I remember mm. trying to show some friends of mine this OAV series, and I'm sure when we've talked about Osama Dezaki before, we've talked about the fact that he really is big on melodrama. The thing about melodrama is that it's kind of tricky. If you don't take it far enough, it's too flat. If you take it too far, it's too ridiculous. It's kind of hard to find a good balance, and I think sometimes Dezaki is really, really good at that balance, and I think for the most part, the Blackjack OAVs are really, really good at that balance. Unfortunately, I think the first episode has some scenes that cross that line from being amazing melodrama to being completely ridiculous, and they really break 
the feeling of it. And there's one scene in particular that I, I know when I tried to show this to people and I started on that episode, that scene lost those people. Like, that scene happened and they started laughing. I think I know the scene you're talking about. There's only one scene it could possibly be. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. The thing about the melodrama is it seems that for the most part when people try and do melodrama, the biggest crime is they don't take it far enough. Yeah. And so yeah. it ends up to me as being more ridiculous if you try and maintain some air of seriousness. Right. You really have to kind of be like, all right, rules are out the window. Rose of Versailles, Area 88, <laughs> yes. Captain Harlock. You know, it's just yeah. go for it and do it. And it's very, very hard to cross that line. And right. I kind of think that it was more a case in this first episode of, in some ways, not going far enough. But for the scene in question, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. good. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think when you go that extra distance and they just start running with it, I think what happens maybe is just usually that's the product of some sort of perhaps crazy but sincere sort of gut feeling. And I think that carries a sort of charm maybe that salvages the horrible lack of logic or the plot holes and it succeeds on sheer force of emotion. But yeah, I mean, the other thing that annoys me about that first episode is that one of my favorite characters in Blackjack is this character named Dr. Kiriko, who is one of the only antagonists, if you want to call it that, that the Blackjack series has. He's one of the few recurring characters in the series, but like I said, in Blackjack, people don't tend to come back that often, so even as a recurring, fairly important character, Kiriko is only in like a handful of the original manga stories. And unfortunately, he's one of those characters that gets very, very shortchanged in the animated adaptations. He appears in one episode of this OEV series, and in some of the other animated versions, he didn't appear at all. Luckily, the, the movie they just released had a lot of Kiriko, but he does appear in one episode, and the one episode that he does appear in is really good. I like it a lot. But the first episode, which I don't really like that much cannibalizes a really amazing Kiriko story that I really, really want to see, but I don't think it's ever been animated, and none of the Kiriko stories were included in the English manga that was published here. So I'm also a little bit bitter about it for that reason, in the interests of full disclosure. Dr. Kiriko is a, another character that they have in these OAVs, but they don't really go into a lot of detail about him. Dr. Kiriko is another figure. He's very similar to Blackjack. He operates outside the bounds of the normal legal medical community. He's also scarred. Kiriko has a, an eye patch. I think he's got some other scarring as well that's usually covered by his clothes. So he and Blackjack are very similar. In fact, I believe Kiriko is often referred to as Blackjack's dark mirror. He's basically the Dr. Kevorkian of the Blackjack universe. He practices euthanasia. Basically, the deal is that Kiriko used to serve in the military as a doctor there, and he saw so many people that were horribly maimed that suffered the effects of chemical weapons, and he saw so much suffering and so many people that there was no hope for them and they were in pain and they really wanted to die that he ended up practicing euthanasia, and he really strongly believes in offering people a quiet death when nothing can be done. And Blackjack, on the other hand, very passionately believes that you should fight as long as possible in the interests of life and to save people. So the two of them fight endlessly whenever they get together, because sometimes Kiriko is hired to euthanize patients that Blackjack is working on. Of course, Blackjack isn't too happy about that. I believe it's episode four of the OEV series, and they do introduce him, and I think that's probably one of my favorite episodes. I mean, I like Kiriko a lot in general, but I think it's also just a really interesting episode. It kind of encapsulates a lot of the whole Blackjack and Kiriko thing. They sort of are at each other's throats most of the time, but occasionally they work together, and when they do, it's actually really good because they're both brilliant. There's a lot of other really amazing episodes in this, so... I really definitely recommend it. The movie is pretty good, too. I mean, it does have kind of a rushed, sort of ridiculous ending. And there's some pretty crazy stuff in the movie. But I like it a lot. Because, like, each episode is its own different story, without really going into, like, what each episode is, I don't really know what else to say. I want to mention one thing, actually, about the release. When CPM originally released this on VHS, they never released a Japanese subtitled version. Ah. 
They only released uh, an English dub, yes. and this dub is actually somewhat notable because unlike most other dubs of the time and even now, this dub was made and produced by the Japanese, by mm-hmm. Tezuka Productions. So when CPM got the show, Tezuka Productions gave it to them already dubbed and completed in English. And this is worth mentioning because the dub for these Blackjack OAVs is very, very good. Yeah. yeah. In fact, it's one of the cases where a lot of people say they like the English dub more than the original Japanese, which is not a small feat because Akio Otsuka... Yeah, I was about is, to say... Oh, it's, it's hard to be him. I don't yeah. know if I could say that. I mean, I think the dub is pretty good, but... I, I don't know. It's hard to compete with Akio Otsuka. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, the voice of Bato from Ghost in the Shell and Solid Snake. I mean, Otsuka is amazing, and he does yeah. Otsuka seems to have job. very good luck with getting very exceptional people dubbing him over, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Ghost in the Shell dub is quite Richard good, as is Metal Gear yeah. Solid. With, uh, yeah, David Hayter. Yes. Kirk Thornton is the voice of mm-hmm. Blackjack in these dubs, and he's in a lot of other anime dubs, some yeah. of which are not especially great, but one of the things that people might know him as, and I'm not a fan of this dub, but he's uh, Saito Hajime in Rurouni Kenshin, mm-hmm. and uh, uses a very similar sort of voice yeah. for Blackjack. He's a pretty prolific guy. Sometimes he's Sparky Thornton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same thing, Um, the voice actress for Pinocchio, who is also actually pretty good, Julie Clywer, I don't, I'm not sure. Actually, Julie Maddalena, but she's credited here as Julie Clywer. Very, very she's hard also... often to get good dub performances of little, little girls. girls. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, she did at least some, if not all, the voices for the Tachikomas in standalone complex which were also really good i thought that oh, I thought was, was uh, rebecca forstat yeah well maybe the, did they have more than one person then i thought that she played them all the way through because hmm. hmm. she's credited in on anime news network i think maybe there probably. is more than one then unless anime news network is incorrect because that is a user submitted yeah resource. it could be who Let knows me- but yeah, the other thing, uh, while you're looking that up, is that one of the things that's notable about the English dub is that since these Blackjack OAVs are somewhat James Bondian, he ends up going all over the world, and so in the English dub, the characters have appropriate accents that yeah. s- sometimes can be slightly absurd, like uh, <laughs> that, that one woman in South America, like, yeah. Dr. Blackjack, or no, I can't impersonate <laughs> this voice, but... Yeah. It was pretty silly. But yes, the guy was singing in Spanish, so they dubbed mm-hmm. a full Spanish song. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's yeah. a pretty good achievement as far as... Yeah. I wouldn't say to avoid the dub at all costs and only no, stick with no. one. If you like English dubs, this is certainly a good one to check Yeah, out. I actually was going to mention that, and then I completely forgot about it. But you're right. It is a good dub, and so if you happen to prefer watching stuff in English, I can actually completely recommend watching the dub. I mean... I really like the original because I really like Akio Otsuka a lot. Mm-hmm. And it also has Pinoko is played by Yuko Mizutani, who is also really good. Another really good thing about the DVDs, I don't know if this is going to be available if you get the episodes through iTunes, but if you buy the CPM DVDs, several of the episodes have director's commentaries by Dzaki. Yeah, I'm pretty sure on iTunes it's just the straight-up episode with the English dub, and that's it. Okay, do they not have the subtitled? I don't believe it's dual language okay. now, it's just one. Okay. So yeah, if you get it on iTunes and it's just dubbed, that's fine, but I think the DVDs are worth investing in, because you do get both language tracks, and you get these commentaries, which is not something that you see a lot yeah. on Japanese DVDs. We don't get a lot of director's commentaries like we do for domestic releases. We and, get voice director commentaries. And uh, for a director as important as Dazaki to have commentaries from him. I mean, that's something I think really worth checking out. So I don't think the DVDs are that expensive. I mean, I'm pretty sure that CPM has dropped the price on these DVDs. Kind of hard oh. f- to find them, though, because a lot of the CPM stock, mm. even though it, the prices have been dropped, they're kind of hard to come by. Probably will not be finding this in store shelves anymore. You have yeah, to look you, online. Yeah, yeah buy it online. Bet. Just to add my two cents to this, I love this OAV series a lot. Like, I love it to death, and I like every single episode of it, even that crazy, insane first episode. And one thing that I love about it so much is that the animation is so detailed. There's so much attention paid to even, like, the the surgery. And there's... I think that just owning the DVD for just that added detail that you get out of it is is worth it alone. And, I mean, I, I have nothing 
I don't have a single episode that I think is bad in this series. So. I actually thought one of the weaker episodes was one of the more fantastic episodes. It was maybe the sixth one. Which that one was, was that? Uh, the sort of ancient Japan sort of one. Oh, yeah, I kind of like that episode, but it is kind of weird. It's much different than a lot of the other ones. It stands yeah. out. I think my favorite one is actually, it's entitled The Owl of San Marita. That's a really oh. good episode, yeah. What about the that one, is, is that the, that's not the one. It's where, the one uh, about, there's this guy who gets Leslie, these wounds on his back. Yeah. And, oh. These gunshot wounds that appear on his back. And oh, that was a real heavily, good. And then they disappear. And that they're trying really, to figure out. And he has to find out what the heck caused this. Yeah. Well, that's that's a really uh, there's another one where the that's dub a, actually came through pretty well because yeah. there was a song in that. Mm-hmm. And, and it came out not horrible, which is an achievement. That's a really good episode. It's also a really good Pinocchio episode. It's, it's one of the ones that focuses more on her. Ah, uh, shoot, what was I going to say? By these sets. Oh, yeah, it was just something about what you are saying about the animation quality. I guess it's just, you're definitely right, that really did come through on these OAVs. I think because, and- I mean, Tezuka is so important. In Japan, and I believe nobody Dizaki wants to do a bad a job. Of yeah, well, Dizaki so started I'm, a Bushi sure. production, so yeah, so I'm sure Dizaki really wanted to work really hard on this and really loved it. So, and yeah, um, I think it shows. You can see in the credits that they had, even though some of the medical things they deal with are are insane. They had a whole lot of these medical, medical consultants. consultants. Yeah, yeah. If, I guess to say, you know, when can you have bullet wounds that reappear? I don't right. know. Well, <laughs> it's well, more for terminology. No, no, yeah, the, the thing with blackjack I'm is um, it's it's a balance it. between real stuff, the actual medical conditions, and some of the solutions to them are very exaggerated and unrealistic. And things like blackjack performing surgery on himself without passing out and bleeding to death are not realistic. But usually, like, the basic anatomy and, like, the actual look of the different internal organs and body structure are very oh, real that's, that's, and uh, accurate. That so, must have been rough as an animator. They were probably sitting there with a dead body next to them, yeah, cut open to get the detail. Yeah. In fact, actually, if you have kind of a weak stomach, you might want to be careful with some of the surgery scenes. I mean, it's not gory for the sake of being gory, but... It's graphic. They definitely do show the surgery in this oh, animated yeah. version, and, and there is blood, and they do show some of the stuff in a, in a lot of detail. If they're doing brain surgery, you're getting right down into the brain with yeah. the brain thumping and the veins out there, everything. Yeah, it's uh, pretty awesome, and, and blood spurts out, and yeah. So it may not be the absolute most accurate adaptation, but I don't think that it's a bad adaptation, and I don't think that it's disrespectful, and I don't really think that it should be passed on. I really recommend it. I mean, this and the movie is the only animated versions of Blackjack that are available commercially in English right now. I don't know at this point if buying these DVDs will make any difference in other stuff getting licensed, but maybe if a bunch of people check it out on iTunes, we'll get some of the other animated versions, which I'll probably also talk about on this podcast at some point. The movie is very hard to come by, though. That's Manga Entertainment released that, not CPM. Yeah. Manga Video released it. When I ordered it, one of the things about that movie is that it never went down in price very much. I still had to pay, like, $22 or something really? for that movie. I found and it that for was about how much I paid for, like, and... Ghost in the Shell Solid State Society Special Edition or something. I've seen it for cheap. and uh, Well, I mean, yeah, I, I bought it cheap, cheap, but I bought it used off of somebody else, so... Yeah, I got but it I've just the bargain it. bin. Yeah, I've seen it in bargain bins or around. So you may be able to catch it at a convention or online for like 10 bucks or something in, in some sort of bargain bin. If you do, I definitely recommend it. It's also got phenomenal animation. And, and it is, and yeah, if you do see it, I do recommend picking it up just because it is so hard to find. It's, yeah, it's not and easy. So I hope people check this out on iTunes, and I hope people enjoy it. I don't understand why it's not more popular than it is. Maybe if you're somebody who isn't a huge fan of some of the more jokey elements that Tezuka tended to throw into some of his stuff, maybe the fact that these OAVs don't tend to do that so much will work better for you, and it'll be a good introduction to the character. I love Blackjack a lot. I think that he's a great character. I think that it's a really good series, and I I really want it to do better in America, because I want more of this stuff to come over here, and I want more people to know about it. So check out those episodes on iTunes. Definitely. If you can get a hold of the DVDs, 
pick those up. I hope you like it. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> Come on, people. That you'd have to pay several hundred yes. thousand dollars to get the truth. <laughs> Everybody likes House. Blackjack is just as awesome. Actually, I've heard that they advertise House in Japan as being America's Blackjack. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've Makes heard sense. it, and I always really liked that. I hope it is true. Oh, hello. I'm Shalston Kotalko. And I'm DJD. We're the hosts of the world's manliest podcast, a podcast for classy real men who don't like moe and love giant robots, and real men being real men inside giant robot pilots defying reality and all laws of science, screaming at the top of their lungs trying to feed their giant robots. SHINING FINGER! Oh yes, that's right DJD, Shining Finger. Visit us on the web at tissuekins.podbean.net Well, this was pretty tough talking about this much Tezuka stuff, but it's over. Hopefully we didn't make complete asses of ourselves while we were at it. Hopefully Frederick showed it as not listening. <laughs> yeah, really. If you want to tell us that we did awesome, or if you want to tell us that we suck and we should never talk about Tezuka ever again... You can feel free to email us at animeworldorder at gmail.com or call us at 206-6664-AWO and leave a voicemail. Or you can go to our blog once the show is up and comment to the entry for it. So, next week, what are we going to do? Is it going to be less terrifying than this week? I don't think nope. so. It's going to be more it. terrifying. So Why do we hate ourselves? I know. We looked at our listener count and we were like, this listener count is too high. We just need to knock this thing down to, like, half, and there's no better way to do that than with our second mech episode. Yeah, the first mech episode that we did was way back in, like, show number three. Three, I think, Or yeah. something to that extent. It took us this long to recover from. The difference between the last one and this one is we've noticed an ongoing trend with uh, a lot of modern mecha shows. I mean, as we yeah. mentioned in show number three, the uh, mecha genre is kind of the least popular one here. And mm -hmm. so to release these series and to get these shows made and to get fans of them, we've been noticing an interesting trend and we think people will pick up on it once we start talking about what it is we're going to be talking about next time, with the exception of one thing, with totally throwing off what I just said, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to be talking about a 2004 mecha series that is known in America as Marriage of God and Soul Godanar, or as it was remembered in the fan subs, Shinkon Gatai Godanar. I'm going to be looking at another fairly recent robot show, although not super recent. It ran for two seasons, Gravion, and the second season, Gravion Spy. By a director that I actually like a lot, Masami Obari. I wish he kind of did more stuff. Less with three-pronged dick girls, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be taking a look at an older series called Space Runaway Ideon. If you've heard of it, you've probably heard of it in reference to Neon Genesis Evangelion. And... Let me tell you, a lot of what people talk about on the internet come from people who have not actually seen both series. Right. The amount of people who know that Ideon and Evangelion have a connection is pretty large, but much like how a lot of people know, oh, the manga for Akira is so much better than the anime. So have you read the manga? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly Very much the case. like, oh, Evangelion took so many things from Ideon. Oh, have you, have you seen Ideon? No. Yep, that's exactly <laughs> So we'll that's talk exactly about it. it. Yeah. And this was my idea, so if it is a, an utter and total failure and destroys our listener count, then it's all my fault. Oh, well, we've already been beaten to the uh, Ideon punch by Destroy All Podcasts DX. And I hear that R5 Central is trying to do an Ideon thing. He's also recording a third impact drama serial, like radio drama style interpretation of the You know, I've never impact. heard those on R5 Central. No, no, That's, he never does uh, them. Yeah. I wonder what Mike would have to say about Space Runaway Ideon. Hmm, I wonder. I wonder as well. We'll never know, I guess. <laughs> Alright, well, I guess if this week didn't kill us, maybe we can survive this next episode. <laughs> Why don't you guys all tune in and find out? 